today has been about transformation. We're thinking about transformation um, and the transforming power of Jesus working in our lives and in different situations and communities. So this morning we had a little look at a couple of characters from the Bible and how God transforms our lives and transform their lives. Um, Over lunch, we looked at the transformation that is happening out in Africa and Kenya. The team were telling us about the amazing transformation that they're seeing God at work. And this evening, we want to continue thinking about transformation. Transformation. I loved transformers when I was little. Did you have anyone else have a transformer that you was a robot and then you transformed into a car? No, something about transformation, isn't there? Um, And I think it appeals to us all, the idea of starting again, that idea of starting to get again, becoming someone different Um, to who we are um, at the moment, or maybe in a different place. Sometimes we think if we could move to a new place, everything would be great. If we could just move destination from where we are now, we could escape our problems. Sometimes we think if we had a whole new group of friends, then everything would be better. No, no, don't laugh, Jordan. You know, we're your friends. Don't think about a whole new group of friends. Um, Or maybe um, you think if I could get married, if I could find my life partner, my life would be transformed and it would all be better. I wonder if you could change anything right now, what would that be? Let you think for a moment. It, It can be very straightforward. Mine would be just to be transformed somewhere warm at the moment. I need a little bit of heat, okay? Um, Just think about it and just tell the person next to you if you could change one thing at the moment or do one thing or be teleported somewhere, where would it be or what would you do? Okay, just tell someone. Okay. I don't know what that thing might be. It might be for some of you, you have a change of destination in mind. It might be a change of um, a life situation. For many people, it's a change of appearance that you might be looking for. Okay, a survey revealed, this is shocking, that 80%, 80% of women are dissatisfied by their appearance. And research has shown that the more people spend time Um, looking and consuming social media, the more unhappy they become with their appearance. But if you think you would be happier if you were more strikingly handsome or more body beautiful, um, consider this. This is Halle Berry. Many of you know the most beautiful actress. Um, She says this, being thought of as a beautiful woman has spared me nothing in life. No heartache, no trouble. Love has been difficult. Beauty is essentially meaningless, and it is always transitory. Oh, thank goodness for that. It gives us a bit of hope to us all. Um, But can we really reinvent ourselves? Can we really reinvent ourselves? Can we really change ourselves? Well, I would like to say that the honest answer this evening is no. And you might think, oh, I can, I can make some changes. But I'd like to say no, because we can't change who we are on the inside. Okay, We can't bring around that transformation that we need on the inside. You can change your appearance. We can change our location. We can change our life situation and our relationships. But we can't change ourselves on the inside. Sometimes I've heard it said that the answer is within Just look within yourself, you know. Some self-help would say, look within yourself. The answer is within. But the reality is, is that the problem is within. 
The problem is actually within us. And the problem inside you and I is what we call, and the Bible calls, sin. Okay, let's be really honest. It's sin. And we've all sinned. The Bible tells us we've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of God's glory, of his standard. We've all sinned. We can put ourselves all in that category tonight. We can't look at someone else and say, oh, they've sinned more than me. We've all sinned. We all fall short. And there's a cheery little verse in the Bible, in Jeremiah, and it says this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? There's a little bit of cheeriness for us this evening. Inside us all, inside us all, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. That's inside us all. That's our sinful nature. There's only one person who can change our human heart. There's only one person who can bring around transformation. And that's going to come as no surprise to you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can change our lives. Change is possible. Transformation is possible. We've just sung it. There is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings transformation. And there's a story in the Bible that I'd like us to look at this evening. And the story in the Bible comes from the book of John, chapter 8. And in this story, we read about this woman who has got caught in the act of adultery. Now, I find it interesting that we don't know what happened to the man, okay? There's this woman being accused and brought in before the religious leaders while the man just went away scot-free, okay? But here's this woman. She's been caught in the act of adultery. And these religious leaders, here they are, and they found her, and they brought her before Jesus, and they thought she should be executed. They thought that she should be killed for this act, and they brought this woman to Jesus. Imagine the scene. There's Jesus there, and it says they threw her down at his feet. They threw her down at his feet, in the, in the dirt. Now, I don't want to go into too much graphic detail, but I imagine if she was caught in the act of adultery, she may not have been wearing very much. She was brought in. She was thrown down at the feet of Jesus. There she was at his feet. All around are these religious leaders bringing shame upon her. They didn't really care what happened to this woman. They were really just trying to trap Jesus. They wanted to know, Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to do this with this woman who has sinned so badly? She's been caught in the act of adultery. They said to him, this is what they said in John 8, verses 4 and 5, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? What do you say, Jesus? that we should do with this woman. Now, Jesus had a bit of a dilemma in front of him here because if he could have rightly said, we need to stone her, she needs to be executed, that would have been complied with the law. But that would have been really harsh. And that wouldn't be the Jesus that we know and love. But he could have said, just let her go. Just let her go free. And then that would have been seen as too lenient. Maybe Jesus being a bit of a soft touch or Jesus being easy on her. 
he would have been too lenient. So he had a dilemma. So what does he do? What does he do in this situation? All eyes are on this woman. All eyes are on Jesus. Just like you are looking at me now, okay? There's the religious leaders looking, wondering, what's Jesus going to do? What's going to happen with this woman? So he looked at them, and he started writing in the sand. He got down on his knees. I love it that he got down to the level of the woman. He was there on the ground with the woman, and he started writing in the sand. What was he doing? What was he doing? Well, I don't think he was building some one of those fancy sand sculptures, you know, making some art, great sand art. He was writing in the sand, and I think he wrote something very significant in that moment. The Bible doesn't tell us what was written. The Bible doesn't tell us at all what Jesus was writing in the sand in that moment. But when he had finished writing in the sand, when he'd finished, when all those eyes were on him and he'd finished writing in the sand, he stood up and he said, verse 7, all right, let any one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. Let any one of you who's never sinned, let you be the one to throw the first stone. And then he stooped down and he started writing again. He started writing again. Now, we don't know what he wrote, but I like to think that maybe what he wrote was the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> I like to think maybe he looked at, say, there was a guy called Caleb, and he wrote, yeah, Caleb, dot, 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 dot maybe some Ten Commandment next to it. Or, hey, maybe like you, Jacob, here, dot, 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 with a commandment next to it. And one by one, I imagine their faces started to drop a bit as Jesus wrote in the sand. And it says in the Bible a really little interesting detail. It said they left from the oldest to the youngest, the oldest to the youngest. Now, I wonder why they left the oldest to the youngest. I think it's because the older ones had more time to sin. Their life probably had more sin in them than the younger ones. And there was probably a greater amount of shame that they felt as they slipped off and away from this woman. They left ashamed. Instead of condemning the woman, Jesus had condemned those accusing her the accusers of the woman, those who were self-righteous. Then Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? Look up, where are your accusers? They've all gone. Didn't even one of them condemn you? Couldn't one of them even stay around and pick up a stone and throw the first stone? No, Lord, she said. No, Lord, not one of them stayed around. And Jesus said, neither do I. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And off she went. And I'm continually amazed. This story amazes me. People in my day-to-day -day life amaze me. People who I meet, who I cannot believe the story or the life journey that they tell me because I cannot believe how much Jesus has transformed their life. From the person that they were before to the person that they are now. It's unrecognizable 
because of the transforming power of Jesus in their lives. We looked at some characters this morning. Do you remember Zacchaeus? The moment he met Jesus, there was transformation. The moment this woman met Jesus, there was whole life transformation. Jesus radically transforms lives. In Isaiah 61, verses 3 to 4, it's one of the great promises that God makes. God will give a crown of beauty for ashes. I love that. A crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks and the Lord that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. Oh, I love that verse. I love it because God brings beauty out of ashes. And it says they will rebuild the ancient ruins. And I was chatting this morning with someone. And we were talking about how when people's lives are transformed, they then go around and transform other lives because of Jesus. It's like they're rebuilding the kingdom of God wherever they go. And we get excited about life transformation. And, you know, if we feel tonight like we have made a complete mess of our life, we're here now and we've made a complete mess just like this lady. And we feel like we've been thrown down at the feet of Jesus. Our lives just look like a pile of ashes, so to speak. Nothing very beautiful um, look is in our life. God says, I will bring beauty I will bring beauty out of the mess of your life at the moment as you see it. I will bring beauty. For those who mourn, the Bible says, or are sorry for their sin, if they're sorry for the wrong that they've done, God says, I will bring joy out of it. The transforming power of Jesus. It's an upside down. It looks different. The kingdom of God is different to what our world says. God will bring beauty out of ashes. Only God can take a tangled mess of a life and turn it around and transform it and turn an individual into a completely different person. And, you know, I am learning this so much more as I go on in my journey because I can work as hard as I like with people and we can plow in as much as we like, but it's not until someone comes to know Jesus that that transformation happens. God will use us and we can do everything we can for God, but it's Jesus who brings the transformation. It's the transforming power of Jesus in people's lives that completely makes them a different person. So I want us to think this evening about three ways, three ways that Jesus can transform our lives if we're already following Jesus as well. So if we've come to know Jesus, if we feel like we've already made that commitment, but we still want to keep being transformed, I want us just to look at three challenges this evening um, that are quick. It's not going to take long, so here we go. Um, I love the book of Acts, because the book of Acts is a testimony to the transforming power that takes place in the life of a follower of Jesus. The whole book of Acts is an exciting book about the transforming power of Jesus. And I want us to look for a moment at the lives of Peter and John. Immediately after the crucifixion, they go into hiding. Okay, they are hiding away. In fact, Peter, do you remember, he denied ever knowing Jesus 
just before the crucifixion. I like to think he was actually in the ash. He was, remember, he was in the fire. He could see Jesus. And he actually, you know, had denied Jesus three times. And here he was, hiding away. These men were not what you would call bold and courageous men, okay? They'd gone into hiding. But when Jesus rose from the dead, when he came back to life, when Jesus met them, when they met with Jesus, just like this woman, just like Zacchaeus this morning, when they met with him and Jesus told them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was coming once he'd returned to heaven, everything changed. Everything changed in their lives and they were transformed. Peter and John were so bold. And how can they be transformed just so dramatically? Firstly, Peter and John spent time with Jesus. It's not rocket science. It's going back to the basics and the foundations of our faith. For three years, Peter and John, they spent time with Jesus. They lived with Jesus. They followed Jesus. They traveled with him throughout. During this time, they saw Jesus perform miracles. They saw miracles take place. They listened to his teaching. They watched him intently. They watched him everywhere he went. They followed his lifestyle. They looked at his lifestyle, but they weren't just casual observers. They weren't just watching. Remember Zacchaeus again in the tree? They weren't just watching. They talked with Jesus. They shared their life with Jesus. And in Christianity Explored, it comes up quite a lot about how it would have been easier if we'd lived in Jesus' day because Jesus was there, you know, and we could just see and we could learn from Jesus and Jesus is there. But even though we don't walk with Jesus physically now on the earth at this time, we can still make Jesus a part of every moment of our lives. We can still live as the disciples did, living every moment with Jesus, living every moment with Jesus. We have his teaching. We have the opportunity to study his word. We have the opportunity to pray. Can I say that nothing happens without prayer? And prayer shouldn't be boring. Let's not put it in a box of, oh, we have to pray. Prayer is communication with God. We're talking with the living God, the awesome God who has the power to transform everything. And we have that amazing I'd privilege because of what Jesus did on the cross to have access to God. We can just pray to God. We can talk to God. Can you, can you just think about that for a moment? Because we think, oh, we're going to a prayer meeting and we're all going to look like we're having our hair washed because we're going to sit there for an hour and just close our eyes and stay in that position. But we're talking to God who created the world, who created us who has the power to transform everything. It's awesome, and we don't do it, and we should do it, okay? Just that's aside. Prayer. We need to spend time in God's word and pray. And best of all, we have Jesus living inside of us. He's living inside of us. When we come to know Jesus, he comes and lives in our heart. That's what the Bible says. He's with us everywhere we go. He's with us. I remind my children every single morning when they go to school, remember, Jesus goes into the classroom with you. He goes into your friendship groups with you. He's there with you. He's everywhere with you. 
We need to remember this. Every moment of our lives, it's a living relationship with Jesus. We don't have to have lived 2,000 whatever years ago to know Jesus. We can know him just as intimately today. We need to get to know Jesus, spend time with Jesus. Secondly, Peter and John modeled their lives after the life and teachings of Jesus. They modeled their lives on his teaching. Jesus' death and resurrection had a real impact on Peter and John, and they began to imitate Jesus' behavior. They, they followed what Jesus was doing, and we can see that impact in the first few chapters of the book of Acts. Here, Peter and John, they proclaim the gospel boldly in public. They're not hiding. They're, they're in public, and they're, and they're boldly sharing the gospel. Then they, there's this healing of this crippled beggar, and then they endure persecution for Jesus. It's amazing. They follow the life of Jesus. They're willing to imitate the life of Jesus. Their actions, they prove a really important point to us. We need to put into practice what we hear from the teaching of Jesus. It's no good just reading it. It's no good just hearing it. We need to act upon it and do what God is asking us to do. We need to imitate the life of Jesus. You know, people should recognize that we follow Jesus. The teaching of Jesus should change us. What are we known for? Are we known for being the argumentative one who's a bit crabby all the time? You know, that's not great. That's not imitating the life of Jesus. What are we known for in our day-to-day -day walk? Are we imitating the life of Jesus to those around us? We need to put into practice. So we spend time with Jesus, put into practice what we hear and what we learn. And finally, Peter and John put their confidence in Jesus, not in their own abilities not in their own strength and own abilities. Remember, these guys were common fishermen. They didn't have any great academic qualification. They didn't have any particular status. They didn't have great credentials as they stood up in front of these people. People weren't going, wow, these guys, they're just amazing. They were fishermen, just common fishermen. They simply relied on Jesus. They relied on the power and the strength of Jesus to help them get through. And that gave them all the confidence that they needed. And we should do the same. Remember, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies those who are called. Okay? He equips those who he calls. We were looking in children's ministry this morning at Moses and the burning bush. You know, he made all the excuses under the sun. But God equips those he's giving a task to do. He equips those that he calls. And this evening, I would love us to understand that the Christian journey is all about transformation. There's the initial transformation that happens in our lives. Just like that woman who was caught in the act of adultery. The moment we decide to put our faith in Jesus, three things happen. Three things happen in that moment. If we've given our life to Jesus, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I want you to listen this evening. There are three things that happen. Number one, your sins are forgiven. 
We are completely forgiven. Jesus said to the woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. God forgives all of our sin. All of our sin, all the mistakes and and purposeful things that we've ever done, God forgives us. And not only will he forgive them, but he forgets it. He forgets it. He doesn't even remember it. The Bible says that they're put behind us. They'll be buried in the depths of the sea. That's in Micah chapter 7. It'll be buried in the depths of the sea. Secondly, we don't have to fear judgment day. There will be a day of judgment coming when everyone will stand before God. The rich and the poor, the famous, the unfamous, those unknown. And the question will not be on that day, did you live a good life? The question will not be, did you have good morals? Did you put your recycling in the right boxes? That will not be the question on the day of judgment. On the day of judgment, the question will be, what did you do with Jesus Christ? What did you do with Jesus Christ? What did you do with Jesus? And thirdly, we're also given a new power, a new power to face and overcome our problems, a new power to give us boldness and courage. Jesus said to the woman, go and sin no more. Jesus told her to go and sin no more. He gave her the power to be the person that she was created to be, not to have to live in the ash, but to become that beautiful creation that he always intended her to be. Then we have this ongoing transformation in our lives of listening to his word, modeling God's word in the lives around us allowing God to use his power through us. You know, the greatest way that I find transformation in my own faith life is to step out into something that I find really uncomfortable, that I know that without God, I can't do it. And I have to face a situation and I'm doing it. God, I'm doing it for you and you're going to have to help me. And if you don't help me, I'm going to drown. And you just have to step out sometimes and do things that make us uncomfortable. And those are the times that I find I am transformed the most. I am transformed the most because I've allowed myself to place myself in that position where I can't can't do it on my own. God, I have to trust in you.